0: So, this is week three of our worship series. The first message we talked about um, it, your identity as a worshiper. You remember we talked about is worship just an event? Is it just a set list or is it an identity? Uh, it's an identity. And uh, then we talked last week about the sounds of worship and how important sound is in, in life. And then today we're actually going to be talking about the postures of worship. So, last week I made reference to the, the interesting phenomenon that what you hear can affect your soul. Remember, we talked about something that's outside can go into your ears and actually cause something to shift inside of your physical, I mean, inside of your spirit and your soul. And so today, what I want to do is look at worship from the angle of how our body can actually shift our spirit. So, if you're familiar with this understanding, we are a body, soul, and spirit, right? We are a three part person. The Bible talks about this. Our spirit is the eternal part of us that will live forever. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our soul is that um, sort of supernatural glue that our mind, our will, and our emotions, and it's what connects us to this physical body. And then we have this physical body. And a lot of us are sort of conditioned to look at our physical body or our flesh as something that's inherently bad that just needs to be crucified and left alone. But I believe that the Lord didn't create your physical body just to throw it away right? It's important. It plays a role. And so we are one connected person. So, you know, as much as I love to get into the nitty-gritty of all the differences between those three, the reality is we're living from a place of we're just me, right? I'm just me. I'm just doing this thing. And so I thought what we'd do today is talk about what's happening in your physical body and how you can actually use your body to lead you into the presence of the Lord. So now if that sounds super weird, that's okay. We're going to dive in and and explain all of that. Um, All right. I love this quote. It says, our bodies in worship, this is pertaining to worship, our bodies become the extension of the expression of our heart, right? Let me say that again. It's it's wordy. Our bodies become the extension of the expression of our heart. So what that means is that what's happening in our heart often becomes an extension into our body as we worship, now, that's not always the case. I'm not assuming if your hands aren't raised that you're not worshiping, right? But there is a thing where our body and our spirit are connected, and when the Lord is moving in us, it can actually, our bodies become an extension of that. If you're familiar with communication at all, you've probably heard this statistic that 80% of communication is what? It's body language. That means that what's, what you're doing with your body is actually speaking. If you're married, you know this to be true, right? Grant comes home from a long day at work, and I'm like ready to tell him a story, and he's on his phone, and he's, you know, leaning back, and he's got his Dr. Pepper, and, he's, and I'm just pouring out my heart, and about two minutes into pouring out my heart, I'm going to stop pouring out my heart because I don't feel like he's engaged, right? Any wives know what I'm talking about, and I might say to him, okay, we'll just talk about this later, and he'll say, no, I'm totally listening to you. I'm like, really? Because everything about you does not feel like that. Anybody know what I mean? Thank you, one of you. Uh, but it's true, our bodies are actually speaking things. And so if our bodies are speaking things in our relationships, don't you think they're speaking things in our relationship with the Lord? I love uh, one of our friends, he's a pastor in Scotland, and, uh, and he, he would say it like this. He said, have you ever thought about the expression on your face while you're worshiping? He travels and speaks a lot and he says, I see people and they're worshiping and they're singing these love songs to the Lord and this is what they look like. It's like I'm grimacing, I love you Lord, right? And everything about your body language is kind of saying you don't, but your words are saying that you do. Anybody relate to that? I remember hearing him say that and feeling so like, I'm one of those, oh no. Right? Like, I'm like, I just, I don't know why, but, or I just, I'm like, no expression at all. And I never really thought about how the Lord is looking at my face, too, when I'm worshiping. Now, let's be real. He's primarily looking at your heart, right? But there's a thing about when I started choosing to smile, I actually enjoyed worship more. I'm not going to say that's like a theological law or anything like that, but it's just the truth. And, and I, I, I now I think to myself, man, when I'm worshiping, I want to have a smile on my face. At least I want to be telling the rest of my body, I'm enjoying this. You're enjoying this. This is where you want to be right now, right? And I might be thinking, this is where I want to be. And then a thought about lunch goes through my mind, you know, or you're like, Chick-fil-A sounds good. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, no, this is where I want to be. <laughs> Nobody else? No, just me? That's Okay but you know we we can smile and worship and it makes me think where does our stoic like pursuit of worship come from like where did we get this idea that this is appropriate worship right if you sway a little well maybe i think it goes way back into when america was founded i think it goes into what was happening culturally but what i want to do today is sort of acknowledge the fact that what is cultural even in church is not always biblical right? What we just do, because we think that's what we do, is not always correct theologically. Now, I think God gives us a lot of grace, but if you were here on Vision Sunday, I shared with you guys how culture doesn't happen, Uh, intentional culture doesn't happen accidentally. It has to be talked about. In church life, not just our church, but church life across the nation, right, because this is an American thing, we uh, worship a certain way, I think, because we're we're not talking about it right? And so we're not necessarily saying this is how you should worship, but we're also saying this is not how you should worship, and so it's just sort of is. It's just sort of how we are. We come in, and you know, it's weird. Now, if you're like me, I grew up in a Methodist church, and so my first uh, introductory into the charismatic life or the Holy Spirit life was like, I'm supposed to do what with my hands? And I remember thinking, I'm supposed to raise my hands, and nobody was telling me why. And so I just thought it was a cultural thing. So to me, I was like, well, I don't need to do that because it's a cultural thing. But today what we're going to talk about is actually the seven different types of worship. In, In other words, the word praise in your English Bible is translated into seven different Hebrew words in the Old Testament. Just to name a few, it also has other implications too. But if you're familiar with this concept, um, you know, when we talk about love, have you ever heard people say love has three meanings in Greek? Everybody familiar with that? This is like a a long-standing sermon, right? You've got the the three types of love, unconditional, brotherly love, and romantic love that are all in English, just love. It's the same with this word praise. The word praise has seven different types of worship hidden in that one English word. That's what we're doing today. We're going to dive into those and we're going to talk about it. My intention with this message, as all of my messages, is not to make you feel like you're supposed to be doing something different. It's just to make you think, because what you think about actually becomes who you are, right? What you you meditate on, what you think about, what you've decided to do, that becomes who you are. But I think there's this cultural thing where we've sort of adopted to a pattern of worship that's not necessarily what's in the Bible. We just don't talk about it enough, so no more, because today you're going to know, so you're welcome. Uh, I want to I acknowledge a few more things before we dive into the seven. The first one is that praise or praising God is not just a feeling. It's actually a choice, right? It's not just saying, praise the Lord. When I just say, praise the Lord, or in our home we say PTL. Anybody do that? That's like old slang, right? Um, you know, something goes good, you're like, oh, PTL, that's awesome. P- praise the Lord. That, just saying that is not the same thing as actual worship. That's just a word, right? I... I Okay, let me put it this way. Idolatry, all right, or when we're worshiping other gods, is not an accidental thing. And in the same way, worshiping our God is not an accidental thing. You can't just accidentally worship. Can I just say that? Okay, I love this. When you're looking at Jesus or God condemning idolatry in the Old Testament, he's condemning actual people who made a deliberate choice to worship a demonic thing. This isn't like I found myself in a movie theater and all of a sudden now I'm worshiping Satan. It doesn't work like that. Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you guys know this story. King Nebuchadnezzar builds this huge statue and he's like, worship me. And they're like, I'm not doing that because you're not God. Anybody know this story? This is how I read that story. And you know, I remember in high school joking with my friends that we were like, would you bow? Would you not bow? I don't know. And we remember being like, oh, what if you just like drop something on the ground, right? As he was saying, you know, everybody bow down. And like, oh, I was just picking up my quarter. I'm not actually worshiping you, but I look like I'm. Anybody know? Okay, well, that got weird. But, um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, idolatry and worship, they are deliberate choices. You don't just accidentally do that. Let me put it this way. There's, like, a thing out there that yoga... Okay, now, I'm not a yoga person, so I'm not saying this to, like, say everybody should do yoga, okay? But I just want to say that God invented the human body, and he invented the human body to stretch. That is how God created the body to stretch. Forever ago, some demonic person decided to make this thing called yoga, and he called these stretches demonic postures to worship. But if I do a stretch, like, what is this? Is this a stretch? Is this a yoga stretch? I don't know. Let's call it the pencil pose, okay? If I do the pencil pose, I'm not worshiping Satan. Why? Because I'm not worshiping Satan. I'm not making the choice to worship Satan. My body belongs to the Lord, right? Why am I saying this? Because we have to understand what you're doing has to be deliberate for it to be worshipped. So in the same way that we can raise our hands but our heart is far from the Lord, we can stand and worship the Lord without raising our hands. It's your deliberate choice, okay? And that being said, let's talk about how we can make a deliberate choice to let our body lead us into worship. Praise God. There's something supernatural about When we worship, I believe that. I believe like this morning is a great example of something supernatural happening when we come together. When Paul and Silas are in the the cell, the jail cell, and they've been severely flogged and they start singing praises, right? You guys know the story in Acts. And the earthquake comes and the jail cell opens and their chains get loosed and also everybody else's chains. Because of their choice to worship, everybody around them was affected. It's good. All right. All right. Okay, here we go. Here's the first word for you. This word is halal, all right? We're going to stick it on the screen so you can see it. Halal is the word we get hallelujah from. So that sounds like praise, right? Um, I want to share with you guys when we go through these seven what it means and then a couple of scripture references for some of them where you can find it in there. So halal means praise. It means to shine, rave, boast, celebrate, clamorously foolish, So this is when you're like busting a move, right? Like when you're just like, I'm just undone. And this is probably what, I don't know this for sure, but maybe what David was doing when he was dancing in his underwear in the presence of God. He's just being clamorously foolish. That's halal. So we want to halal with the Lord. The first scripture for that is Psalm 149, verse 3. And it says, let them praise his name in the dance. So there's a reference there. It's movement, it's exciting, it's jovial. Um, And that word, praise his name, that word praise is actually halal. The other one I want to read to you is 2 Chronicles 5, 13. I don't have these scriptures on the screen because there's a lot of them. Um, But 2 Chronicles 5, chapter 13, excuse me, verse 13. And it says this, it says, uh, In unison, when the trumpeters and singers were to make themselves heard with one voice, praising and thanking the Lord, that means halal, and when they raised their voices accompanied by the trumpets and cymbals and other instruments of music, and they were praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. And then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. So halal seems cool. <laughs> just a thought. It's powerful. It's actual jubilation. So again, in the same way we don't just say praise the Lord and I'm automatically praising the Lord, and we just say hallelujah, that doesn't really mean what hallelujah means, but when we're actually jubilantly, jovially, and all that means that, when we're boasting, when we're excited about the Lord, then we are in halal. We're praising God in halal. The second one is yada. Yad means hand in Hebrew, so this is to throw your hands out or lifted hands, okay? So this would be that moment when you're worshiping and you're just like, boom, yada. Not Yoda, yada, guys. All right, so to throw out your hands, lifted hands, I love this understanding that it's the opposite of like wringing your hands. So if we're talking about body posture, like we mentioned a second ago, like this posture gives a message, right? You guys are all getting the message, I'm not so excited to be here. Now, when we are comfortable with people, we kind of let our guard down. When you're having a disagreement with someone or you're in discord with someone, you might like, like close down. It's like a symbol that you're frustrated, that you're processing things, that you're not feeling vulnerable you don't want to feel vulnerable you want to protect yourself so when we come into the presence of the Lord let's just be mindful Lord I want to give myself to you I think this is one of the things that's so beautiful about raising our hands in worship it's that it is a sign of surrender but it's also like praise like throwing out our hands and lifting them and so it's basically saying to me it's saying I'm opening my heart to you Lord I'm letting myself be vulnerable to you and I know when I, when I started going to a charismatic church, I was like, I grew up Methodist. So I'm like, what is all of this that you guys are doing? So you know the progression of charismaticness, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like first thing, you're like worshiping with your hands in your pockets. You know, like this is as good as it's going to get. And then, then you're like, I'm here. I'm here with one hand. I'm here, Lord, with one hand. And then you get a little bit more comfortable and you're like, I got two up, right? This counts the worship leader's like, everybody raise your hands, and you're like, I'm doing it, this is not down, so this counts, and then you're like, okay, then you go from rigid to like worship, like receiving, you know, like the beach ball pose, like I'm receiving, Lord, and then you're like, maybe you go stretched out, and then maybe you go one up, and then eventually you get two up, anybody do this, just me? (laughs) Okay, you guys are making me feel weird. Thank you, Garland. I appreciate that. Leave me hanging. No, I'm just kidding. But it's this thing, right? It takes us time to get comfortable to use our body in worship. It takes time, and that's okay. But what I thought would be helpful is if we understand what's happening. So when you're coming into the presence of the Lord, and you're saying, God, I want to praise you, it is a thing that you can praise the Lord by standing in this posture, by throwing out your hands. This is what's in the Bible. Some verses for Yada would be 2 Chronicles 20 verse 21, give thanks Yada, to the Lord for his loving kindness. Psalm 63 verse 1, so I will bless thee as long as I live. I will lift my hands in thy name. Psalm 107 15, oh that men would praise Yada, the Lord for his goodness. There's just something powerful about when we throw our hands out. We're going to talk about another word that talks about lifting our hands too, but this one has this like action to it. I love that. I love that. Actually, what I think is really cool, I was just noting this this morning in worship, is that I think we hit all seven of these at one point, which is kind of cool. So if you're listening to him, you're like, think about was there a moment when you saw someone or you yourself was just like, oh, Lord, right? I threw my hands out. Then you saw yada. Yada. All right, number three is tauda. I may not be saying these words right, but here's how we're saying them today. This is extending a hand in adoration. So this is another way you can lift your hands. It probably looks the same outwardly, but inwardly in your heart. It just comes from a different place. Extending your hand in adoration. I love there's a connotation of this for thanking God for things that haven't happened yet and also for things that have. That's beautiful, right? When we stand before the Lord and we just extend our hands in his presence, it's just like, man, Lord, Thank you again. It's like this posture of I'm being vulnerable before you, Lord, and so here I am. I'm thanking you for what you've already done in my life, and I'm also thanking you for the stuff that you promised me that I'm not seeing yet. It's it's a it's a form of worship. It's beautiful. Um, I love this. Uh, this is also has a connotation of a confession of thanksgiving. So when we're when we're lifting our hands in Tauda, we're actually like confessing thanksgiving in that way. I want to read to you a quote. Um, I don't know who wrote this but I love this. It's talking about Tauda. It says, "This type of offering means we will not consider our circumstances with our natural eyes, but we will look only through the eyes of faith at God our deliverer." Tauda is not to be underestimated as it will move the hand of God upon our lives. It believes God for the impossible and releases the power and wisdom of God on our behalf as we praise Tauda him. Isn't that powerful. I love that. Man, it's so good. And I, I just love how if we're talking about letting our body lead us into worship, then there's times where we give a sacrifice of praise. What's a sacrifice of praise? It means when you're not feeling it, but you come into his presence and you're like, I'm going to worship you anyway because you're worthy, God. I don't want to because I'm mad about this or I'm just not in the mood or I'm whatever, but I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to put my hands up and I'm going to engage my spirit through that way. Does that make sense? You can actually do that. Um, So another way we can talk about this is practicing gratitude, practicing gratitude. Paul talks about being thankful so much, right? I think this is why he talks about that. It's not the same exact word, but there's a connotation here. Two other verses I want to share with you um, related to Tauda, and it's Psalm 100, verse 5. And in this verse, in the message, um, I love this. I love the way that it says this. Psalm 100, verse 5, and it's, uh, sorry, my phone is taking its sweet time. There we go. Psalm 100, verse 5. It says, For God is sheer beauty. Oh, wait, it's not verse 5. It's verse 4. Excuse me. Enter with the password, thank you. Isn't that cool? When you enter the presence of the Lord with the password, thank you. In other words, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's another translation of that. I just love this. It's like when we come into your presence, Lord, thank you is the code word. It's like when I start with this tauda, with with this place of gratitude, great things begin to happen. Uh, Last week I mentioned about we don't talk a whole lot about the stuff that God doesn't like, um, but I'm going to share with you another thing, so sorry. Um, Not sorry, but this is in Psalm 50, and I love this. This verse is actually pretty fearsome, um, if we're just being completely honest. There's some pretty intense, like the Lord was in a mood when he was saying these things, and I wanted to say before we read this, you know, you might be wondering, how do I interpret, I'm not supposed to be like afraid of the Lord, but I also have fear of the Lord, which is like reverence. And so how do I manage that when I read verses like this? And I'm just going to tell you how I interpret this, and maybe this will be helpful to you. When I read verses where the Lord is like, I will rip you to shreds, which is what's in this verse, um, you kind of go, wow, Lord. And I I know I used to, before I really understood my place as his daughter, I used to read this and be like, don't cross him. (laughs) right? Like, oh, dad's in a mood. Don't cross him. And now when I read this, I understand it like, I trust you, Lord. I understand where your boundaries are, and so I don't have to be personally afraid when I'm reading something like this. Does that make sense? I don't have to be like, um, put my wall up against the Lord. The way I actually read it is, like, I look at the Lord, and I'm like, wow, God, you were in a mood that day when you read that, when you said that, right? So in case that's helpful for you, I don't want anybody to to hear this and feel really um, anything bad. But let's start in verse 21. He says, this is the Lord talking. He says, these things you have done and I have kept silent. You thought that I was just like you. Now I will reprimand and denounce you and state the case in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you in pieces and there will be no one to rescue you. Whew! (laughs) Lord! Oh, you were in a mood that day. And then he says this, verse 23, and this is why it's important. He's given him a second chance, and this is what he's saying. He who offers a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving honors me. That word right there, praise, is tauda. This is the way we can tell the Lord we love you is through thankfulness. That's what he's looking for. And he ends that verse in saying, And to him who orders his way rightly and who follows the way that I show him, I shall show the salvation of God. So good that we can come to him and we can say, Lord, I know what you're looking for looking for gratitude in my heart so i'm approaching your presence when we start worship this is why we do this all the time we say let's just start thanking the lord it's not just a fun thing to do it's a biblical command to thank the lord to come into his gates with that code word to put our hands up in a place of gratitude does that make sense all right number four Shabbat. shabak everybody turn to your neighbor and go Shabbat. thank you the shabak is a shout it's a shout did you know that when there's a shout in worship is actually a biblical form of praising god it's a shout i love the shout of god i remember the first time i heard this i was in a staff meeting at our church in texas and there was a guy a man there who he was a Shabaker, like that was the way that he worshiped you know and there's people who that's their calling is that a word it is now uh, turn to your neighbor and be like do you want to be a Shabaker? just kidding um but I remember we were in this worship, worship setting with our staff, and he just started shabocking, he was shouting, and I just started weeping. And I wasn't weeping because I was awkward or uncomfortable, I was weeping because when he let out that shout, it was like, boom, the presence of God just came, and it was crazy, Now, not every time we shout is going to bring the presence of God, but there are times where when there's a shout, it's like something happened. Anybody ever feel that? You're like, I might feel a little bit uncomfortable that you did that, but wow, I can now feel really comfortable in the presence of the Lord. That's a biblical thing. It's a biblical command for worship. Psalm 47 verse 1 is one of the places that we see that um, in there. Clap your hands, all peoples! Shout, Shabbat to the Lord with the voice of joy. There's others as well, but we're gonna keep going. All right, number five is the Barak. Barak. Um, this is to kneel down, bless the Lord. The other, this is the other end of the spectrum as like the Jubilation Halal that we talked about. Barak is like when when there's like quietness and we're we're just kneeling in His presence. So I think this is important. When we started this series, I talked to you guys about how um, we don't. Our our context of worship is not just to worship before him in prostrateness anymore, right? That still is something that we do, but that's not the all of worship. And so Barak is one of those things in, in my perspective that lingers into the new covenant where we come before the Lord and we kneel down in his presence and we just acknowledge, you are God, I'm gonna bless your name. I'm gonna say, Lord, I'm putting you in your rightful place. In my heart for me personally when i kneel down to me it's like a sign of surrender again to the lord all of these are a sign of surrender but there's times where i'm like i want to be engaged in your presence but i'm just struggling for it and so i'll just say lord i'm going to kneel down as a form of worship to you so that my spirit can wake up and choose to worship if you don't know what that's like that's when david was saying in psalms why are you downcast oh my soul put your hope in god right we have the choice to tell ourselves we're going to worship this is who we are this is how we're going to be Um, Okay, number six, zamar. I have no idea if I'm saying these correct, but let's just go with it. Zamar, this is to praise with stringed instruments. So this is like the sound the instruments make. Isn't this cool? I love that. And I love that there's like stringed instruments still today. We're praising God with that. But this is the joyful expression of instruments. You can actually do zamar praise through clapping your hands. This is what I thought was so crazy about this morning when everybody just started clapping together. And I was like, well, hello, Lord. We're just getting to show what zamar is like. I don't think we've ever done that before. And it was like the Holy Spirit goes, I want to give you an example of how you can all praise together in this form. You can stomp your feet. You can clap your hands if you're not in the band. And you can contribute to the musical component of praise. Um, a couple verses for Zamar, Psalm 21, 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in thy own strength, so we will sing and praise, which is Zamar there, thy power. Um, let's see. Yeah, 1 Chronicles 16, 9. Sing to him, sing praises, Zamar to him, and speak of all of his wonders. All right, so number seven. This is our seventh Hebrew word, our last Hebrew word, and then we're going to dive into a couple other components of postures of worship. This is Tahila. I don't really. I'm probably not saying that, thank you. I was like, I don't think I'm saying that right because it sounds too much like a different word. So uh, say it again, Michelle. Tehala. Tehala, like that better. All right, Tehala. So this is to praise by singing. So when you're like, I didn't know why we always sing. I'm not like a choir person. Well, now you know. You're actually praising God through doing that. It's uh, I love this verse, Isaiah 61, verse 3. And um, we've actually been talking about this verse in our pre-service prayer. It's come up several times over the last two months. And this is, um, it's, it's prophesying over Jesus, but it says, To grant to those who mourn in Zion, it's this verse, Give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of fainting, which is what this Nobody wants the spirit of fainting. Lord, we bind that up in Jesus' name. Um, No, but the spirit of feeling weak, like I'm just, I can't do this. It's like, no, I'm going to give you a mantle of praise, and that word is this word, tehala. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Have you ever noticed how happy people sing? It's kind of hard to bust a song when you're really down on yourself, Right? Next time you're just having a horrible day, have somebody around you remind you, try to sing right now and see if it's possible. Because when we sing, you you have to be in a certain state to sing. And so this is what I love about, we can call our spirit into worshiping God. We can like bring ourselves into his presence by doing these things, by coming up and being like, I am going to sing. And by singing, I'm calling my heart in line to worship the Lord. Your singing is powerful. We went in depth with that last week. I want to say to you, show me a victorious person in your life, and I'm going to show you a worshiper. There's just something about worship that when we're singing, when we're using our body, when we're, when we're kneeling down, lifting our hands, all those different things that causes us to be victorious. So if you want to be more victorious in your life, you should worship more. I'll just say that again. If you want to be more victorious in your life, you should worship more. I don't really care how you sound. My favorite places to worship are in the car by myself because I don't have to wonder if I'm hitting the wrong key. You know, I'm not Mariah Carey, so like, you know, God wants to hear my singing, but he doesn't really care if I'm a little flat or whatever. So do it in your car by yourself, and then you just give yourself and worship in that way, and it will begin to transform you. So I want us to talk for a minute about three other forms of worship. So there's not Hebrew words to these, but um, if we're talking about postures of worship, I want to talk about... Flags, Okay? So I had Natalie bring me a flag, and this is so cool. I texted her yesterday. I said, I want to talk about flags for a minute. And she said, I felt like the Lord told me to bring you this color. And I'm like, you just did what this part of my sermon was about. So I don't know if you've ever heard somebody talk about why we actually do flags in church. Now, I remember my first experience with a flag, and it did not go well. But you guys know... You guys know that I'm a fairly skeptical person by nature, so when I approach something new, my tendency is to basically like rip it apart in my mind. I'm sorry, I confess, Lord, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm working on that, Um, but this was back in the day, and I remember being like, what is that? That's so strange, and people were waving flags, you know, but I had this moment where the Lord was blasting my soul, and I was just experiencing him in these crazy ways, and I was in this worship setting, and this guy had this flag that was like, this big. It was just really small. And I don't think in that church it was like uh, really that, I don't think they loved the flags in that church, okay? So he brought this little one, and he would just wave it like this, okay? (laughs) And he was so gracious. He was not being distracting or anything like that. And he's just waving it like this. And I was standing next to him in this worship service. And I remember feeling like heaven had opened up. This is all I can do to describe it. And like the liquid presence of God was like falling down on me. And I was so perplexed because first of all, my logical mind is going, what? That makes no sense. But my spirit is like more, 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 more. And then my mind is like very aware of everybody around me. And I remember thinking, I just want to lay down under this little flag and that would be so weird. And so I'm literally like, if this is the guy, I'm just standing there, probably look like I'm not even encountering the Lord, having this massive internal thing happening inside of me where I just wanted to be like, just, just flag all over me. Like, I don't know what's happening right now. But that's where I learned and I began to study and dig in and I learned that when you are called to worship God through flags, there is something that happens when you do that. It's the same as when somebody that's called to worship, lead like on a guitar, let's say, or a piano, when they hit that note and you feel something, do you guys know what I'm talking about? I know not all of you are feelers, that's okay. But if you are, it's like you feel something happen. It's the same when somebody who's called to use a flag uses a flag. They are contributing to the worship team. So this is what it looks like. In the Old Testament, there's several references to flags. Some of them are actually, when it talks about raising a standard, that's one of the ways that English actually is saying flagging, okay? So imagine, you're in a big field with a lot of people and you're all worshiping God. You're not, they didn't have stadiums. So the flag was one of the ways that you would signal, what is God doing? Is he moving? Is he not moving? Uh, This is where we gather, right? It was like raising a standard and being a signpost. So one of the ways that flags are used in worship is to be essentially a translator of what God is doing in the room. Now, because we're in the new covenant now, you get to do that too. You don't have to look at the flag. You can experience the Lord. But what I love about flags is that when somebody is called to flag, it's like they're on the band, do you know what I mean? They flow with what's happening in the room and it's so powerful. In the same way, just because I'm waving a flag does not mean that's happening. I've been in some places where everybody loves to flag. There's like 25 people and it's like a color card. You're like, am I on the marching band field or am I at church here? I'm not totally sure. And one of my absolute favorite stories, which we won't go into, but one of my friends was in this particular setting and this person was going for, and they had a really long flag and unfortunately she Um, entangled herself in the flag (laughs) it was amazing I wish I could have been there to see it myself it's my favorite story Uh, can we just say like when we're going after God weird things happen right okay so if you're like man the Lord told me to bring a ribbon and you get tangled up we're all just going to graciously look the other way while you (laughs) untangle because the Lord is pleased with your faith right But there's something about, I want to say that because just because I'm waving a flag does not mean that I'm flowing with the Holy Spirit. But in the same way that that's true, it's also true that when the Lord is saying, bring this flag and wave it at this time, oh man, something happens. I love Natalie's heart in this. I should have told you yesterday I was going to call you out, but I wasn't sure if I would, but I love this about Natalie because when she's flagging, what she's doing, which you don't understand, is she's talking to the Lord. Which color do I pick up now? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to weigh this? Do I do it at all? That's why sometimes she's doing it, sometimes she's not, because there's a yieldedness to the Holy Spirit in that. And every person that's flagging in here, that's what we're going for, right? We're not just saying, ooh, it's purple. This has all these kinds of implications. So when I weigh this, for sure this is going to happen. That would be a formula which leads us away from the Lord right? When we're listening, Grant shared this at the beginning of the service, when we're listening to the Lord and we're obeying what he says, really powerful things happen. So that's a little bit about flagging. I know that's not like the most comprehensive thing you've ever heard, but I thought this was so fun. I mentioned this a second ago because I texted Natalie yesterday. I said, hey, would you bring me a flag to use in this message? And so she comes and she says, the Lord told me to bring you purple because this is what he was saying about that. And I thought, oh, there you did it again right? I just like bring one, and she's like listening to the Lord. What color do I bring? There's just something about people who are called like that. There's a yieldedness that's really powerful. Okay, one other thing. Let's talk about dancing. (laughs) I am not a prophetic dancer, as you can tell. I'm an interpretive dancer, but it's not prophetic, Um, and if you've ever seen it, you're like, wow, that's crazy. So I love dancers. Dancing is in the Bible so many times, Right, Old Testament and New Testament. I love um, this. Isn't even biblical, but you know the Prince of Egypt movie. At the end, when Miriam is like doing the dance, I love that. I always feel the presence of God on that, even though it's like probably not what happened in that moment. I feel like walking through the Red Sea would be a very fearsome thing to experience. But um, but there's something about when a dancer is yielding their heart to the Lord, and they're dancing with the rhythm of the Holy Spirit that things happen atmosphere gets broken open, right? And I love um, our our network that we're a part of, Global Awakening. They have a huge value for dancing. And I love um, at some of the conferences where it's like, okay, release the dancers, and the dancers will come on stage, and it's like something happens in the room. Is it just because people are dancing? No, it's the connection of the dancing and the yieldedness to the Holy Spirit that moves it along, right? It's the same as with the flags. We can all say, let's do a jive, and it may not bring the presence of the Lord, but if God is in it... That's going to be the best jive you've ever seen. Just saying. So dancing. And the last one I want to make a reference to is doing art, like painting. We don't you know, currently do painting in our services, but I love churches that do that or have people that that's how they're gifted. When you're painting, when you're drawing, when you're doing that and you're saying, Lord, how do I do this? It's, it's a posture of worship. It's using your body to bring about the presence of the Lord. I have a friend, she lives in Canada, and a few years ago, the Lord told her, she had never painted before, has no interest in painting, no background in art, and the Lord told her, I want you to paint, and this is what I want you to paint. She saw this very clear picture, and she said, I don't know how to do that, Lord, and the Lord said, if you will follow me, I'll show you. She said, okay, so she, you know, did this in the privacy of her own home, no intention of ever showing it to anyone, and she painted the most, I should have brought the picture, the most unbelievable painting. It looks like something you would buy at, like, Hobby Lobby. Never painted before. Because as she was worshiping the Lord, God began to show her how to do things. And now she has this prophetic art ministry where the Lord will give her prophetic words and she'll paint them. And it's crazy. Someone who never had that before in the presence of God through worship, accomplishing something amazing that blesses people. So whether it's art, whether it's drawing, painting, you know, I don't know, maybe it's poetry, whatever your expression, the key that we're looking for in worship is obedience. Right? I love how Grant words it this way. He talks about worship is like a dance. And even if those of us that, you know, or you, you don't like to dance, it's a great analogy because essentially you're being led by the Lord. And so when he says, take a step this way, and you actually do that, great things happen. So if you're in worship and the Lord says, okay, I want you to go to the back and sing this song, or I want you to kneel down, or I want you to lift your hands, or I want you to whatever, when you do that, it's your obedience that opens the door to a greater experience of his presence, right? And so I just think it's important for us to note that what's happening in your physical body is important, that I don't personally believe we can experience the presence of the Lord by standing still in the same degree that we can if we're engaged with him, Because he gave us this body on purpose. He gave us this body to to minister to him, to be ministered in, to, to flow with him, right? So, all right. So I want to share one final thing with you guys before we wrap up for today. And I really just want to challenge you guys more than anything to just start thinking about how do I worship? For me, it's been a progression. So I've been worshiping the Lord with my hands in a charismatic expression for probably 16 years now. It wasn't until about five years ago that other parts of like, my worship expression even emerged. So I'm saying that because sometimes we think, okay, so am I just supposed to be like undone before the presence of God and you know, doing all these things while I'm worshiping? Not necessarily. I think what the Lord is wanting for you is just to do a heart check. How am I doing? Am I withholding myself from you because I'm worried about what people will think? That would be question number one. Am I withholding myself from you because I don't understand why I would raise my hands, right? It's just ask yourself those questions. And then the next time, next week, when we have this whole extended time of worship, that you come in and you just go, okay, Lord, let me just try one new thing. Maybe I always have my hands here, and this time I'm going to try this. Maybe I always have my hands here, and I'm just going to do one up, right? The Holy Spirit high five, whatever it is. So that's my challenge for you guys. Just be processing with the Lord. Just be asking him, how can I take this a step further? And last thing I'll say, too, is for me personally, just for whatever this is worth, as I began to care less about what I looked like as I was worshiping and surrendering more of my person to the Lord, then I actually began to experience more of his presence in my heart that when we would have lingering times where there's just music, right, like we had today where I can just, oh, wow, Lord, there's like a whole other dimension of you I'm experiencing right now. But it came as a byproduct of obeying the prompting he was putting in my heart, which may look different for all of us, and it should. Does that make sense? All right, so I don't have any, like, great, amazing uh, ministry time moments at the end of today, and that's okay. And I just wanted to end by saying just think about it. Just check your heart. How am I doing? And, and now that you know, if your spirit is not engaged, then you can do one of these seven postures and actually kickstart, jumpstart your soul to worship a little bit more. So I want to pray a blessing over you guys. And then I know we didn't pray for any physical healing today. So if you need physical healing, um, come up here. And those of you guys that want to pray for people with healing, come up here as well. And you'll be Holy Spirit matched and you'll be healed. Praise God. So um, hopefully. All right. So let's pray. Lord, I just pray a blessing over every person in this room. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this worship series and the way you're raising our bar, our level of understanding you're raising our level of experience. Father, we want this house to be a house where we experience you tangibly because that's how you are. That's how you are, how you designed us to experience you. And so I bless every person in this room to be filled with the Holy Spirit this week, to be filled with an awareness of you, and to be filled with um, just an, an expectation that you are gonna meet them as they worship you this week. Lord, I pray for victory over every person in this place, and as they worship you, that you would bring them into greater levels in their faith.